Let's get, jump into the word though, because we're going to, again, try to get through uh, five of these chapters, and we're going to kind of pick the highlights and overview, and, and uh, if you didn't read ahead, if there's some things that, that grab your interest, you can go back and read, and I would encourage you to read through, through the chapters, because we are, you know, going verse by verse, but in these first 10 chapters, a lot of the stuff's review, things we looked at in Leviticus, and I don't want us to get in a place where, where it's just so redundant we can we can touch on this stuff and give some overviews of some of these chapters and then when we get to to chapter 11 i mean it just takes off there are just phenomenal accounts in the book of numbers so as we we get back into this let's remember where we're at you know in exodus we see israel after 400 and some years of slavery being delivered there out of egypt uh we see uh you know the the setting up of the priesthood the tabernacle the sacrifice and so forth and then we went into leviticus we got a lot of details on all of that on the role of the levites and then as we go into numbers uh, we got to remember levi or the book of uh, leviticus covers about the first year once they've left egypt and then we come into numbers this this covers year two to when they enter into the promised land in uh you know year 40 after the deliverance and so we get into all these accounts of things that went on in the wilderness and then deuteronomy is basically the refresher course before joshua brings them into the promised land and uh you know they go there into canaan and they go out in in faith and god gives it to them and so the first 10 chapters what we're looking at is as it's called numbers we we see some different senses taken remember last week we saw all the able-bodied men that were able to go to war were being numbered uh, the, the, the Levites were being numbered for the work of the ministry. We saw different instruction being given to them uh, in regards just to, again, ministry in the temple and how they were supposed to assemble around the tabernacle when they camped and so forth. And so we continue on some of those themes tonight, some more instructions. As we come here to Numbers chapter 6, we read about Nazarites and the law of a Nazarite. So let's read the first few verses. We'll talk about this. We'll read a few more verses in this chapter and then bounce over to chapter 7. But it says here in verse 1, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When either a man or a woman consecrates an offering to take a vow of a Nazarite to separate himself to the Lord. And then he begins to give instruction. Um, A Nazarite, again, as it says here, would be an individual, it could be a man or a woman, that would want to take this vow. And in doing this, what they were saying is that I want to... um, refrain from it would be no wine it would be refraining from no razor to the head wasn't really an issue for the women but you know the men growing their hair out and to refrain from touching dead bodies the reason the hair would be grown out for the men would be to have a witness of that vow we'll talk more about that in a second and really what it was for some it was a direct call from god to others, it would be a free will offering. Uh, we'll see in a minute here. Some would make this vow for their entire life. Others would maybe make it by Jewish tradition, 30, 60, 90, or 100 days where they just said, for the next 90 days, I'm going to do this. And we probably could compare it today to maybe a fast. Someone saying, I want to refrain from these certain things to all the more separate myself unto the Lord, have time to uh spend with the lord to make a deeper commitment to god it wasn't required Uh, again some had a call on their life but it wasn't required it was an optional way 
just to be set apart more for the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, more for God Almighty. As we uh, open the scriptures, um, you know, there's three individuals that it seems real clear. Well, one for sure real clear and two others that took on a lifetime vow of a Nazarite. And the first one that probably comes to your mind is uh, um, uh, Samson. As um, the angel came to his parents and told them that they were going to have a child in Judges 13, 7. It was the angel of the Lord. It was actually an Old Testament appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, Behold, you shall consecrate and bear a son. Now behold, no wine or similar drink, nor eating anything unclean. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. And so that was Samson. He had that call of a Nazarite. And, and you know, we'll touch on it a little bit more in a second, that call to grow his hair. Remember, where does your strength come from? And, and all that kind of thing. Uh, another Nazarite, or an individual who's saying Nazarite, is Samuel. And remember, Hannah, she is barren. She is without child. And her, her rival, as her husband had two wives, is bearing these children. And she is really mocking Hannah and so forth, this woman of God. And she recognizes that call for Israel to bear children uh, in that the Messiah had been promised to come through the nation of Israel. And remember, she's there in the temple and she's, or the tabernacle and, and, and crying out to the Lord at the altar. And she basically, uh, you know, it prays to the Lord in 1 Samuel 1, verse 11. It says, Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. So she made a vow to the Lord to raise her son as a Nazarite. And when you read about Samuel there, and you read about his ministry in 1 Samuel, you want to keep in mind that he was under the vow of a Nazarite. It helps give insight into other things as you're reading through the scriptures. John the Baptist, it seems, as well had the vow of a Nazarite. Luke 1.15 says, as again, the Lord was uh, speaking um, uh, uh, an angel there to his parents, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He shall neither drink wine nor strong drink. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And so it seems John the Baptist had the vow of a Nazarite as well, these three individuals. Now, a lot of people think, and we'll talk about one more in a second, a lot of people think that Jesus was a Nazarite. And this is where some confusion comes in. Uh, we, a few weeks ago, we talked about, you know, pictures of Jesus and how way off they are because, you know, they always have him with the, the long blonde hair and the blazing blue eyes, and he looks like a, a, a Fabio upgraded, you know, and whatnot. And we saw in Isaiah that, that he, he wasn't attractive at all and, um, you know, talked about um, you know, maybe even the tactic of the enemy to try to make Jesus look effeminate, make him look like one you wouldn't give an account to and so forth in an effort to even deceive people. And even talk about the practical side as well. If, you know, all those pictures of Jesus was an unattractive man, the people painting them to sell them to make money from you wouldn't sell uh, quite as many of those photos and so forth. Um, but a lot of people think that he was a Nazarite and that's a mistake. He wasn't a Nazarite. He was a Nazarene. He was from Nazareth. But because he was from Nazareth, people, uh, you know, somewhere along the line start thinking he was a Nazarite. And so they draw those pictures and they depict him with the long hair. And most likely Jesus didn't have that at all because he wasn't a Nazarite at all. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew eleven eighteen, 18, for John came neither 
drinking, uh, eating nor drinking, and we said he has a demon, the Son of Man comes eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is justified by her children. So Jesus partook, uh, you know, at eating, he partook in drinking, he didn't get drunk, it wasn't Jesus running around, you know, oh, he, you know, he was with the tax collectors and the sinners, and people think Jesus went out and partied, and hey, yeah, you know, come on, Jesus, let's get high tonight, it wasn't that. Listen, he went to them to, to bring them to the truth, to really show them, as the Pharisees had said, you got to be like us to be right with God, that the Lord came to draw those that were sick, he was a physician for the sick, and these were people that understood they were sick the pharisees were as well their problem was they didn't recognize it full of self-righteousness so the lord went to them not to party with them not to affirm them in their sin but he went amongst them to absolutely share the gospel with them you know to tell them listen i came to lay down my life for you i love you and i want to see you saved so the lord came eating and drinking he was not a nazarite he was a nazarene we also know that paul the apostle paul at one point took the vow of a Nazarite and for him it was probably a, a period of you know 30 60 90 or 100 days in Acts 18 18 it says so Paul still remained a good while then he took leave of the brethren and sailed to Syria and Priscilla and Aquila were with them and he had his hair cut off at Sincretia for he had taken a vow and there's another uh, place in Acts where we read out four men that had taken a vow and they went and they cut their hair because at the end of the vow what would happen is the hair would be cut off it would be uh, offered to the Lord with other offerings uh, to signify that they had completed their vow and I'm not going to read it in verse 9 through 21 it talks about that offering and there's two parts talked about there the first being an individual that had taken the vow of a Nazarite if he either accidentally touched a dead body or let's just say one of his relatives passed and he needed to be there to tend to them, to minister to them. They were to wait seven days and then they could go, they could cut their hair, they would go and they would offer uh, an offering of two turtle doves or pigeons and basically they could get a reboot and they would start their vow again. And then at the end of completing it, they would bring a sin or transgressing, transgression offering to the priest uh, and, and it would again be at the completion of, as was committed to the lord of their vow and all of this again this wasn't a matter of of adding to their salvation we're saved by grace alone through faith alone and him alone that's how they were saved as well they recognized they were sinners a savior was coming they put their faith in that coming savior those sacrifices were an act of faith i'm a sinner lord take my sin and put it on this beast but they knew that a messiah would eventually come and be the fulfillment of all those sacrifices this was, again, someone that either had this call in their life and they walked in obedience, set apart like a call to the ministry, or it'd be an individual that said, you know what, I want to draw near to the Lord. I want to walk with Him. I want to serve Him. And you know what, what would be good for me to honor the Lord is to take this vow for this certain period of time, to refrain from these sayings, to draw closer to Him, to draw closer to my God. And really us, as New Testament believers, as this vow of the Nazarite was to, to be in the world, but not of it, to separate themselves unto the Lord. Listen, we have this call on our life 24-7 to draw near to Him, to be set apart for Him. Romans 12.1, we look at this verse a lot. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies, notice here, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And so it's reasonable. 
It's not an unreasonable thing to serve God 24-7, to be set apart for Him in all that we do. And everything we do to go in with the heart that says, I want to honor God. I want to put God first, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in the recreation place, in our home, in our lives, and so forth, to put Him first. Because listen, He laid it all for us. He was a literal living sacrifice for us. He lived a sinless life, denied again uh, the temptation to sin, fulfilled the will of the Father, literally laid down his life for us to redeem us, to purchase us out of sin, to give eternal life. No one would argue, well, that's unreasonable. I could see if it said, you know, present yourself uh, a living sacrifice five out of seven days. Now that's a little more reasonable. Listen, this is all this is all reasonable there's nothing unreasonable about this especially when you begin to consider that the lord's the one that gave us life he's the one that laid down his life so we could have eternal life and in the course of our life every good and perfect gift comes from the giver of life god himself and in doing this we got to remember that jesus said he who holds on to his life will lose it but if you lay it down for my sake what are you going to do does anyone know we're going to gain it life's found as you draw closer to the lord but we get these temptations thinking i'm going to find life in this and that and the other if i put it first before him and far better to put him first and bring all those things under his lordship all the things that we're involved in and so forth now real quick we do need to know that when we step closer to him that absolutely the enemy will step up to to try to you know what combat that we are in a spiritual war it's interesting because way later on in the history of israel still before the time of christ we read here in a time of apostasy or back you know a back uh, slid in time uh for for the israelites in amos chapter 2 verse 11 he says i raised up uh, some of your sons as prophets and some of your young men as nazarites is it not so O you children of israel says the lord but you gave the nazarites wine to drink and commanded the prophets saying do not prophesy and so here's these individuals, men and women, that have a call of a Nazarite on them uh, to be set apart for the Lord to represent him. And he says here to Israel, instead of, you know what, heeding their ministry, instead of heeding their example, you went to stumble them, you gave them wine to drink, and you told the prophets not to prophesy. And what you see are individuals saying, I want to give myself more to the Lord, and a temptation from the enemy coming up to say, oh no, we're going to offer even more sin to you to get you deterred from that walk with God. You see it in the life of Samson. Again, as you talk about Nazarites, he was the one that 100% for sure, we know how he had that full uh, call on his life. And Samson's the picture of what could have been. Uh, you know, in, in these covenants that, that Israel made with God, he said, one israelite walking with the lord will put a thousand canaanites to flight when you go out to battle because the lord will go before you and we read about that story where samson takes up the the job of a of a donkey of a jackass and he puts down a thousand philistines well that was you know what a fulfillment of that covenant that god had with israel and, and for us as new testament believers it's not about us going out and in the name of jesus i'm going to beat up a thousand people but it's that picture of walking in the power of god listen paul prayed that as the holy spirit moved upon him that we would know of the might and power that god has for those that believe in him and i used to when i used to pray that i pray that for for you guys i pray that for me i pray for that as a church that we would know the might and power uh that, that god has towards those that believe in him and i and i used to think that that was a matter 
of, of getting this revelation. And, and what I've realized more recently is that we will know of the might and power of God when we begin to walk by faith. And when you walk by faith, you begin to know that. You need, begin to see that. So I'm praying that. Really what we're praying is that we'll step out and we'll walk by faith. We'll be separated unto him. We'll be living for him. And Samson is a glimpse, again, of what that looks like, that power that comes when one's set apart for the Lord. How could this individual could do that? You even look at that, you're like, okay, what is this? Like, did a comic book get dropped here into the Bible? One guy takes out a thousand with the, the jaw of a, of a jackass, you know what? But it's, again, a picture of that power and might the Lord bestowed upon Samson. And you didn't know this, that the, tonight God wants to bestow the power of the Holy Spirit upon you. Not to go out and be obnoxious, not to go out and be, you know, arrogant, but to prophesy into your children's life into those around you again we're not talking about bullhorns and sandwich board signs here we're talking about that we would just speak to them and the word of god would penetrate their hearts don't we want that i mean i i my, I, I want i want to see my kids walking with the lord and and i can't do that in myself i need the power of god and the more we step out in faith the more we trust in him again though there's going to be a temptation in that and samson had those temptations and it's amazing, you look at his life, and again, the vow of a Nazarite, yet we see him in a vineyard. The vow of a Nazarite, not to touch dead bodies, but we see him again. Remember when the honeys and the lion's uh, carcass and so forth, and he gets the honey out, he makes a riddle out of it. Dude's like, he's a weird dude. Even you read about him, you're like, what's going on with this guy? So he's just a strange character. And then you see him again, uh, not separated from the world, but, but with, with Philistine women. And finally, you see towards the end of his life, because he's dabbling in all this stuff instead of him abounding in the lord and instead of him leading the nation of israel i mean he was he a judge the judges were the leaders of israel at that time they weren't kings but they were there to be leaders and if he had really drawn into the lord and he puts a thousand of flight that wasn't just samson's ability to do that if he would have led israel the way that he the lord had called him to that was a promise for all of them any of them if they would have went out in faith could have put a thousand Philistines to flight and they would have, would, have, would have taken all of Canaan like God had promised to them. And Samson was to set the role. It was what could have been. And yet, he didn't fully embrace it. And then at the end of his life, you see that tragic story with Delilah and she says, you know, tell me where your strength lies. And he's playing around with her and so forth. And oh, it's this, it's that, it's the other. And then she finally says, oh, you don't love me. And, and basically, Samson, because of fleshly desires... And I won't get into all the details because we're all grown men and women here tonight. Because of fleshly desires, that flesh is, is, is so wanting in Samson, he's willing to tell her, and, and you know what, my strength lies in my hair. And he's willing to go that far to basically appease his flesh. It's, it's, all, it's, it's all there, it's, it's, it's implied there and so forth. And remember, she cuts his hair, and they come in, and it's not like before. He can't throw him off, and they gouge out his eyes. And then remember, they're making sport of him, and he's there, uh, you know, in their, in their temple to Dagon and so forth, and their pagan worship, and they're making him juggle and do stuff. I don't know juggling, but they're making him entertain him. And remember, he says to the young man, you know, show me where that pillar is that holds it up that I can lean on it. And it says his hair began to grow back. And then, you know, he cries out to the Lord, and and, and basically, some people think it's a suicide, but it's not. It, it's basically, Lord, give me the strength to, to avenge myself uh, upon these, these Philistines. You know, the glory of God, he pushes that. It says the more, and this is what's interesting. It says, the more Philistines died in Samson's death, the while he was all alive. 
And if we die to ourselves, listen, when we die to ourselves, there's way more victory in the Lord than when we cleave to ourselves and we do things our way. That, that's what that's telling us. Die to yourself, draw into the Lord, walk by faith, and the Lord wants to endow you with power of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't empower rebellion. He just doesn't. He's not going to do that. But he wants to empower us in the Lord. So there will be opposition, there will be temptation, but listen, James 4, 7, submit to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. And as that warfare flares up, draw closer to the Lord, watch the Lord go before you, even in all those battles, God will use it for good. Now, I don't have time to read it, because I spent a lot more time than I planned talking about these guys with long hair, but verses 3 through 4, these hippies over here, says talks about separating themselves from wine and similar drink and um, I know in Ephesians 5 18 it says don't be drunk with wine but be filled with the Holy Spirit and so again it's, it's a call to us be filled with the Spirit of God uh, in verses uh, in verse 5 it talks about no razor coming upon their head this was to be a visible sign people say oh that's a Nazarite there again for us we're told by Jesus in Matthew 5 16 let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify you no it doesn't say that they'll see your good works and do it glorify your father in heaven and so we want there to be a visible sign as we're drawing near to him and and it's the best that's always best when we don't even know it right when we're walking with them and then someone just says hey what's there's something different about your life uh it's not you know trying to muster something up and then finally in verse 6 through 7, it talks about separating themselves and not going near a dead body. And for us, this would be the idea of staying away from the influences of the world. Uh, it's interesting, and, and we'll move on to the next chapter here, but in Luke, or, or another thing here at the end of this chapter, Luke 9, 59, um, there was an individual that came to Jesus and said, I want to follow you. He says, but Lord, let me first go bury the dead. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And so what he was saying here, it wasn't the Lord being, you know, a, a lack of compassion for this guy's dead family. He was saying, listen, if you want to follow me, then you can't be consumed with the things of a world that's spiritually dead. I got to be first, first and foremost. And the beautiful thing is when you put the Lord first, all those other things that practically are part of our life, he tells us in Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Because the Lord knows you got to work, you got to change the oil in your car, you got to rotate the tires, you got to, you know, your kids in soccer and all that. And he's not saying refrain from all that. He says, put me first in it. Honor me first with your first fruits, with your life and so forth and, and in what you're doing. And again, versus being consumed with those things and those things first. I don't know if we'll get through all these chapters. Um, I, I got too arrogant last week. Oh, chap, well, we can do five chapters, but we'll just do what we can do. Uh, now, we come here to verse 22 through 27, and this is, this is a prayer you've probably heard before. And I'm just going to read it. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his son, saying, This is the way you should bless the children of Israel. Say to them. So this would be how the priest would bless the, the, the congregation, um, the children of Israel. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. And what a beautiful prayer. I mean, you know, I think there's about 200 prayers recorded in the Bible. And they're there 
again, in part for our learning. Uh, we, we can learn a lot as the Spirit moved upon these prophets, priests, kings, apostles, and so forth to, to pray these prayers, to have these prayers penned. These are also prayers that we can pray. And, and we don't want to pray them, you know what, uh, as a vain repetition. You know, we want to make sure that we understand what's being said. But what a wonderful prayer to pray, you know what, for your children, for your family. What a wonderful prayer to, to pray for our church. And just real quick, you know what, he says to say then, the Lord bless you and keep you. And so, you know, pray this way. I, I pray the Lord will bless you. And listen, when, when someone prays for you or they just say, God bless you, uh, especially a believer, someone that loves the Lord, don't get offended by that. I, I, I am amazed how there'll be sometimes where I'll say to someone, hey, God bless you. And it's like they're offended. They, and, and I've talked about this before. And it happened to me recently. I said to someone, you know, God bless you. And they're like, oh, he does. <laughs> and I'm like, easy, easy, tiger. <laughs> oh, he does bless me. Like I'm saying, oh, you have absolutely no blessing, so now I'm going to step in. And you know what? The Lord's told me, God bless you. And so now the blood is like, you're standing here with breath in your lungs. I know God's blessing you because you're not dead. Let's humble our hearts, right? Listen, if, if someone doesn't want those blessings, kick them my way. I'm pro-blessing. I'm pro-blessing. Kick them my way. God bless you. You know what? Uh, it, it, it's a praying again bless you it's god prosper you that's what a blessing is and when we seek a prosperity we our mind shouldn't go to our bank account and all this other stuff he's going to supply our needs and and we're 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 well taken care of here tonight we absolutely are uh but but god bless you it's a picture of prospering you in your walk with jesus christ abounding in him abounding like we talked about those nazarites and drawing near to the lord i i want that prayer and i need that prayer and and keep you that's a picture of security in him. Uh, I pray for my kids every day they'd be kept by God. That the Lord would go before them and keep them and they would know that and so forth. We talked recently on Sunday morning about God being our refuge. The security we have in Christ. He next he says that he'll shine his face upon you. That's a picture of favor from God. Listen, there's so many times in scripture where the Lord just intervenes and gives favor. You think about Abraham, the father of our faith. And and rightly that he's a father of faith he did a lot of dumb stuff anyone here do any dumb stuff i do dumb stuff all the time and some stuff he would repeat it's like how did you get back here again why are you telling another king that's your sister that's your wife and he's like well technically she's my half sister again the dna was still to the point where you could do that back then and 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 yet god gave him favor god gave him favor even in the midst of that and, and you know what went before him despite his knuckleheadedness and I need favor from God it's not something we want to abuse that favor but God understood Abraham's heart God he had taken a step of faith he, he was he was he needed to grow more and yet even in that growth God gave him favor I need to grow more does anyone else here need to grow more in the Lord I, I, I want the favor of God in that because if the Lord takes me to task on every error and every stupid mistake i'm a big big trouble i always say and i tell people when they're going through a struggle and you know they're kicking themselves and so forth but they're wrestling through i always tell them listen on your best day you only survive by the grace of god on your best day uh, on your best day without that you're sunk and we want to remember that 
again. And then that God gets the glory. And then he says, be gracious to you. And, and we know grace, it's unmerited favor. It's divine influence upon our life. We know we're saved by grace through faith in Christ. They were saved by grace through faith in the coming Christ. And verse 5, his countenance upon you. And this is a picture of not just blessing, but his person upon you, his countenance. That's a picture of someone's face. It's a, it's a picture that, that he would walk with you and then give you peace. And listen, the peace of God, we, we, we read at the end of so many epistles, grace and peace to you. And you need grace, and notice the order here, be gracious to you and then give you peace. Um, you know, this is a prayer for peace with God and a prayer for peace with men around you as well. And then finally, he says in verse 27, so uh, they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. And their name on the children of Israel will be something that when they see the children of Israel, they would associate Israel with God. His name's on them. And usually, you listen, you get associated with stuff and people, you get things tagged to you, right? Uh, you know what? Football season started. I know different people have football teams. Some people are like, I'm not watching anymore. Listen, you got freedom in the Lord. Uh, do what you want. Listen, there, there's a lot of, a lot of nonsense and, and confusion and all across in our country. But I use it as an example. Um, and, and if you've been a fan with someone for a long time, they'll associate you with that team, right? Oh, how did your team do? This and that and so forth. And you're just, you're just associated with their name. Their name's like stamped on you. Listen, I want the Lord's name snapped on me. And this was that prayer that they would be associated with the Lord and with the blessings of God and the favor of God because they've been set aside to be a blessing to all of Israel, to be a witness to Israel or, or blessing to all the world. And sadly, we read later on in Romans that God said the Gentiles actually hate me because of you and your behavior. And we don't want to be that. We, we need His grace and mercy. Now we come to, to chapter 7, and uh, we read about offerings uh, of the leaders now of all the different tribes, the 12 tribes. And this is a long chapter, and it's, it's a repetitive uh, account of the same offering brought from every leader of the tribe. Uh, that's from 10 to 88. We'll touch on that here in a second, uh, where it was a dedication offering to the altar and the tabernacle that had been erected erected and then in the first eight verses we see offerings brought forth for the practical work of the levites remember we talked last week how they needed carts and horses to move around all the furniture and the tabernacle and so forth well that came from the people they supplied the need for the livelihood of the levites and for the work of the ministry so verse one uh, through five it says now it came to pass when moses had finished setting up the tabernacle that he anointed it and consecrated it and all its furnishings and the altar and its utensils and he anointed them and consecrated them. Then the leaders of Israel, the heads of their father's house, who were the leaders of the tribes and over all those who were numbered made an offering. And they brought their offering before the Lord, six covered carts and 12 oxen, a cart for every two of the leaders and for each one an ox. And they presented them before the tabernacle. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, accept these from them that they may be used in doing the work of the tabernacle of meeting and you shall give them to the Levites to every man according to his service and so again they would go and these were leaders of the people that needed to lead the people to minister to the people the Levites minister to them as well as the head of the tribes but notice what they do first before they minister to the people they minister to the Lord they bring their offering to God 
And in this case, the offering they brought was a very practical one. They practically needed these ox. They practically needed these carts to be able to, again, move the tabernacle from place to place. And one thing we need to know about ministry, there's a spiritual side of it, and there's a practical side of it. And listen, there's a time to pray, and then there's a time to get up and go and act. And there needs to be both of them. We need to be a people of prayer, but we also need to be a people who act when the Lord calls us to act. And we need both of those combined. And this was a practical offering, again, for the practical side of the ministry. And then again, verse uh, 10 through 88 was now an offering for the dedication of the altar uh, in in the tabernacle, where again, um, uh, sacrifice for sin and peace offerings and grain offerings and all those offerings we talked about in Leviticus. If you weren't with us for that online, Leviticus chapter 1 through 5, we talked about all those. Um, so they, they brought an offering for the dedication. So it's like the grand opening. We're dedicating this. And if you read down through here, you'll see each tribe listed, the names of the leaders of that tribe. We see they brought like a silver platter, or a silver bowl, a gold pan, uh, different different uh, offerings for all the various sacrifices and so forth and the thing i see in this is that god took note of this god took note of their names god took note of their offerings uh in fact their names are all listed twice here and they weren't bringing this saying hey you know did you spell my name right for the book so everyone you know when they read it later on they get it right that wasn't their motive their motive was i want to glorify god and i listen i'm appreciative that god's delivered us out of egypt and for us to be i I appreciate, I'm thankful that God has delivered me out of my sinful lifestyle and I'm born again. I'm not under the law anymore that condemns me, I'm under the grace of God that saves me. And, and so it was a, 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 an appreciative offering of, I want to be part of this. Um, you know, I, I want to, with my life, with what I have, I want to use it to honor God and, and to, to dedicate, to help dedicate this altar to the Lord and they brought these offerings and we didn't know in our lives listen uh, the lord takes note of that as well and uh, he's blessed with a cheerful giver it should never be again for uh, acknowledgement from men uh, he even tells us our, our our i believe our our left hand shouldn't know what our right hand's doing or the other way around basically the hand shouldn't know what the other hand's doing it should be done though unto the lord and knowing the lord sees and the lord knows and that blesses the lord's heart and there's nothing greater than that. And again, we know as well, he tells us we can't outgive him. So we come here to the end of that chapter, and you can read through that. Again, it's repetitive. Each tribe, each leader, what they gave, it's the same gift that they all gave. And then we come here to the end of the chapter, and it says in verse 89, when Moses went to the tabernacle of meeting to speak with him or to speak with God, he heard the voice of one speaking to him from above the mercy seat that was on the ark of the testimony from between the two cherub, cherubim and thus he spoke so the lord continues to speak to moses and moses continues to listen you know the lord wants to continue to speak to you we got to listen we got to open up the word of god god speaks to us through the word of god and so he wants to speak to me god's not speaking to me i'm not hearing well are you opening the scriptures so that he can speak to you it's not that the holy spirit can impress things on your heart as well but listen he's given us his word and he is shared his heart and mind with his word we want to get in the word and it's amazing how when you're reading through scripture you go and pray it up how god can give you direction and guidance and impress things on your heart and say this is how this applies to this that 
and the other. Um, you know what? I'm just going to stop there because I don't want to rush to the next chapter. And uh, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll have my study done for the week after, after Greg, and that will be good. So um, a lot of good stuff here, though, and uh, a lot of things to go and build on and so forth. And uh, I'm blessed you guys are out here tonight. I hope you're encouraged in him. We, we serve a good God, amen? amen? And he loves us so much. And um, what, a, what a blessing we have to be, to be his children. So Lord, we thank you tonight. We praise you. We thank you for our time of fellowship out here, God. Again, we thank you for the food that was prepared and partaken of and that breaking of bread. We know that's a call on us as well to continue the apostles' doctrine and prayer and the breaking of bread and fellowship. So what a blessing that we could do all those things even tonight. Uh, we thank you for our time in the Word. And God, I pray that we could be a people who are more and more set apart for you, uh, more and more of a people growing in faith and trusting in you and seeking first the kingdom of God and seeing, God, the, the power of, of, of the Holy Spirit active in our life as we draw closer to you. There's great encouragement found in that, God. And indeed, we need that. Uh, we need a work of the Lord in our lives. We need your hand on us every single day. You going before us, uh, you directing us, and you leading us. And we ask for that. And listen, as we close here tonight, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and we've touched on in our study, uh, outside of him, we're in sin. Outside of, out of faith in Jesus, we're under the law of God. And the law of God shows we're greatly guilty of transgressing God's law. And God's standards perfection. And outside of... Uh, perfection we're damned to hell i'll just make it blunt we're under we're under condemnation from a holy god and that's horrifically bad news it's horrible news uh, to be in that place to to be condemned to, to be damned to hell if we die in our sin as the lord created that for the devil and his angels when they rebelled and man was subjected to it as well in his rebellion and it's horrible horrible bad news but listen there's incredibly good news and that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, and he lived a life we couldn't live. Uh, we have a sin nature. He came without a sin nature. He didn't sin. He lived that life of, of sinlessness that would be required of us to be right with God, and he lived it for us. And when he went to, to the cross, he took the wrath to us upon himself. He paid the penalty for us. He, he basically said, I'm going to die for these sinners. Father, put your wrath upon me. He laid down his life, and because the wages of our sin is death, listen, and he was without sin, he was able to defeat death when he rose from the grave and conquer and have that victory. And tonight, listen, whoever would humble their heart, acknowledge their sin, and ask Jesus to be their Lord, the Lord will save you tonight. He'll wash you of your sins. Uh, basically, it's, it's putting faith in him. It's the same as repentance because it means I'm turning from being my own Lord from doing what I want to do when I want to do it. And Jesus, I'm asking you to be the Lord of my life, for, for you to be my God, for you to direct and lead my life. I acknowledge you are Lord. You died and you rose, so save me, God. Meet me where I'm at. I want to be a Christian. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I put my trust in you. And listen, it's beautiful because the Bible says that whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I hope tonight we've all done that. But if you haven't called on the name of Jesus, Tonight, he stands ready to wash you, to cleanse you, to begin a good work in you, to do as we read here, to shine his face upon you. Does that not sound good? And so call on him. And if you do that, listen, it could be a simple prayer. The Lord's looking at your heart. I can't encourage you enough to tell somebody. 
maybe the person who brought you come talk to me or one of the pastors and we just want to we we're here trying to grow in the lord together and uh we we want to help you in that as we're all just trying to look to jesus so again bless the rest of our night we pray these things in jesus name we sit together amen god bless you